Welcome to New England Lacrosse Journal's Chase the Goal podcast, your destination for all things lacrosse. I'm your host, Kyle Devitt, and alongside me, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Italy, Jack Piatelli. How are we doing? I like that, Mr. Italy. It's a new one. Yeah, I threw I it in pre- there at the last minute. I appreciate that. I'm a big fan of Italy. My, my, all four of my grandparents were born in Italy, which means a lot to me. But I was in Albany, New York over the weekend, and my phone was pinging, right? We had some teams, box teams, playing in a tournament in Albany, and then they go to the Firewolves game. It's a great weekend. But my phone's pinging. I'm like, why is my phone pinging? All the lacrosse scores were coming up on my phone. I forgot it was the beginning of the lacrosse season because I follow the Ivy Leagues. The Ivy Leagues start two weeks after all the other schools, so some kind of rule they have. But, uh, yeah. We're in lacrosse season. This is your time do, do you to know, shine. This it, is your time to shine. It is. I listen. Now we don't have to worry about content. Yay! One thing I will tell you: what, what in in media world for lacrosse? Do you know what we call that first week? What week zero? We don't call it week one. This weekend coming up is week one. Week zero is like oh, all the teams that want to get into the first game. Okay. the The other thing too, I had this conversation at Mass Youth Convention that our guest was at. We'll get to that in a second. We used to have debates all the time at the end of the year. And people, I remember I was, I'm not going to say who it was, but I specifically was having a debate with someone about a team. And they brought up a score and a stat line from the first game in February. And I turned to them and I was like, are you seriously statting me with a score from week zero? You've got to be kidding me because... For everyone watching games and listening and, and listen, doing everything that you're doing, the team that you see the first weekend, even if it's the best team in the national championship team, they're bad. Every team is bad. Every team in the world is bad on week one. And even if they're not bad, they're going not going to be the same team at the end of the season. So keep that in mind. If you guys have a little, your team's struggling a little bit, keep the faith. Keep going. Speak. I'd like to expand on that. Oh, but let, let's introduce. We should our, introduce the yeah, guest. Yes, introduce the guest. Yes, this is Tyrone Kroom. Uh We've known each other for a very, I would say, have who's known you longer, me or him? Ooh, Jack, definitely. Oh, really? Yeah, Damn, absolutely. Thought I was going to win that. Yeah. I'm older. Yeah, but who do you like better? Well, uh, listen, right now I love both of you guys both. So. Oh, what a what an answer! <laughs> what a man! What you, a, it's like you own your own business or something. You know what you're doing. What a question to ask. Yeah, yeah you. Well, no. He's open up hot. <laughs> That's what we do. That's what we do. You know what the problem with starting early with lacrosse is? These players are coming off Christmas break. So they only have two weeks for practice before their first game. It's not like football or soccer where they have six, eight weeks and they build up. They have the fall season. They have some scrimmages. And then it ends. They go home. Three or four weeks. They come back. And they only got two weeks. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, high school is the same. I got my email the other day like, hey, first day of practice is March 18th. Get Update your CPR certification. I'm like, March 18th? When's your first game? Not until April. So we what? have that, that little cushion, right? But it's still, it feels like a cushion because we're in a gym. But then we're like out on the field and we're like, oh my God. We're on the, we have to play a game before we haven't seen a field. That's everyone in New England. So just so everyone knows, everyone knows that's coming too. 
I was going to add to that too. You guys yeah. have that feeling of we're, we're, we're playing in sweatpants. Practices aren't, aren't as crisp as they should be. Yep. That cold weather, starting out in the cold weather, season doesn't really start until you really get that warm weather. You're out there in the shorts. You're able to get your action going. So that, that also comes in a little bit of play too. Yeah. And I, I've said this before. I used to work for a coach who is currently a division one coach. I won't say who it is. And they said during recruiting, if they went and saw a team and it was a game game and there was kids wearing sweats that weren't goalies, you got crossed out. So don't do that. There's plenty of technology now. You can just get some some Under Armour gear. You can get some gear that keeps you keeps you warm. Don't don't be the guy that that rolls out with in all sweats and tries to play in a real game. Preseason, it's fine. No one cares. But real game, you see, a, I see kids with like hoodies now, and I'm just like, ugh, no. Agreed. Toughen up. Especially if you don't want to be noticed on the field. That's just uh, bullseye, bullseye. Yeah. You're the only one wearing sweats on the field. Everyone's watching you. No one's watching anyone. I, you, was, we all had someone on our team that wore sweats to everything, and it was just like, dude, you're going to get – they're going to come after you, dude. Can you take the hoodie off, please, or cut it off? Do something. Well, cut ask, the hood off. Let's ask this question. So let's go to the other extreme. What about the people that – it's it's 14 below, mm. and, and you got the one player that comes out there – and, you know, they've got nothing on. They're warming up with no shirt on. Yeah. They're doing the whole nine. And they're just saying the cold doesn't mean anything to me. Meanwhile, you're like, you can see, like, the different shades of color that are happening on their body. Can I, te- can I tell you, you know what that means? That, that person is from New Hampshire. <laughs> or Maine. Or Maine. Or Vermont. They're not from Massachusetts. <laughs> tell you that right now. They're not from Connecticut. They're definitely not from Connecticut. Definitely not. Connecticut. Or Rhode Island. Really? Right? Really? You're a Rhode Island mask guy now. Yes. No, it gets cold, but uh, not a lot of snow. I mean, but moderately, winter is um, very moderate compared to New Hampshire, Vermont, or Maine. No yes, question about I it. I would say so. Especially the further south you go. Right. Tyrone, let's let's kind of talk about, your your first of all, Crowart. Let's let's explain what Crowart was. We did that a, a little bit of an explainer out front with Eric Siemens, but kind of give us the short answer of what Crowart is, because it's a lot of things. The short answer is basically kind of a sports consulting. Years ago when we first started, we identified that there were no leagues in, in the city for, for post-collegiate players to get out and, and get on the field. So we started running leagues, operating leagues, um, and then those kind of expanded into other states. What we noticed from there was there are a lot of town youth programs with all types of programs that, that just needed support. They didn't have back-end infrastructure. They didn't know how to pull permits. They didn't know what to do on creating budgets for leagues and things like that. So that's what Crow Art started, and I think a lot of people don't know the real basis behind what we do with Crow Art. We're kind of that 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 sports consultant that comes in to help, regardless of what the sport is. Um, so lacrosse is our is our anchor, is our wheelhouse. But the joy of our company is trying to support others in, in building and, and making theirs grow stronger. I think one of the things that anyone that's in their 30s and 40s right now that played in the city or lived in the city and loved lacrosse and wanted to play played in a Crow Art League. Yeah. I mean, you had leagues down at the, the airport. You had them in, did you have them in Dorchester? Or was Dorchester. Dorchester. We had them in, out, out in the suburbs, out in South Boston. Mar- Marlboro, Southie. We had leagues up in Maine. We had leagues in uh, UNH. Um, I remember playing at Charlestown, yep, Charlestown and then watching the town and being like, oh, yeah, I know where that is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, one of the things I loved about those leagues, and it was funny because we, when we started out, it was literally just 
six teams, 120 guys just out there playing. And then year after year, you started seeing like top level college players come. And then all of a sudden the pro players were out there. And then it just became something that was just unbelievable. The talent that, that was out there playing on a weekly basis. One of the things I did like about the, 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 the leagues was what you and I are, have our connection. There were guys that were moving into town and I'd get an email and they'd say, Hey, listen, I want to play some lacrosse, but I don't know anybody. And I'd say, come on, we'll get you on a team. And then they'd be like, but you know, I, I played this division three or I played club. I did listen doesn't matter just come out and play and then for me what was awesome was i'd see that person would now all of a sudden link up with a team and now they're hanging out with those guys and they're doing different things and it's just we were more like a, a social network before it was social network so that's that was true kind of what was really yeah. cool about the league and again another piece that that people kind of missed about what what the goal was it was, it was really connecting people through the sport of lacrosse which why we're all even sitting here in the first place is because we've all been connected through this great sport talk a little bit about your upbringing and um where you went to school and how you came across the game of lacrosse, like everybody's got a different story, especially you're a little bit younger than me, and, and, and obviously Kyle's a number of years younger than me, but I didn't. I got a lacrosse stick when I was in the eighth grade, and then I didn't start till my freshman year like Kyle did. What was your experience growing up, and how did you get introduced to the game, and, and now it's become a huge part of your life? Absolutely. It's, it's actually funny. I was a little bit of an anomaly for our era, and I'll, and I'll, I'll bring you into my era a little bit. There, Thank right? you. I appreciate you know, that. Being a Sudbury guy. It's, it's, uh, it's our era. It's fine. <laughs> being a Sudbury guy, everybody thinks that everybody was born with a lacrosse stick in Sudbury. Uh, that wasn't really the case. We had a very strong program. Everybody knows the name Andy Oleski. Yeah. He's the one that started the program in Sudbury in the high school program. I think it was about 1972 or so. But there were no youth programs like there are today. So I was fortunate enough, I, I went to the Faye School in Southboro. Uh, so I was introduced to the sport of lacrosse, not only because my brother was in high school and played, but also because I got the opportunity to play at a younger age versus a lot of my peers. The big thing that we used to joke about growing up in Sudbury was most of us didn't pick up their sticks until ninth grade and first time starting. And everybody was like, no, you got to have youth programs. You guys had to have been out there playing. It's like, no, that's not the case. The success that we had was more that we all played football we all right. played basketball together we all played baseball we just had that 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 kind of blue collar style of where if 20 of us were playing a sport we were playing that sport right and that carried on to whatever sport that we were getting into so my lacrosse journey is is, is pretty interesting as i mentioned i had an older brother who played the sport the person that i'm going to say next by the name of dave taylor sure. um, dave taylor was the guy that gave me the first stick it was a brian Superlight two i never forget being over at his house just hanging out and then he went into his garage and we were playing catch and he was just like yeah Terrell, just take that stick home and i look at that 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 part of my life of, of lacrosse and i and i and i kind of look at where it's taken me and i tell this story for this reason i just last year was playing in florida with dave the connections that you make the ability to stay connected with the sport i've played basketball i've played football i still have lots of friends from those sports but i i don't go and do the same things that i do with the lacrosse guys we don't connect the same way that you connect with lacrosse guys. So to me, that's the biggest messaging that I try to pass on is that this is a sport that gives for the rest of your life, one that you can be engaged with as long as you want it to be. I keep joking with everybody is that I'm, I'm going to go into my, my retirement when my, my son, who's a freshman right now, he's a freshman up at Cushing Academy playing lacrosse up there and basketball. And when I can step on the field and play with him one shift, that's when I will actually hang up my, my, my shoes and say that I, I am done. I will still stay around lacrosse, but as far as running around like I do now, that, that's kind of my, my tip to the hat of the program and, and, and the play it forward for me. That's the LeBron. LeBron said that. 
actually. I think yeah. I had it before he yeah. said it, though, because he's younger. You, yeah, <laughs> and, and, and because, true. because I'm older than you, I had that experience in this uh, pickup league, box league, in Foxborough, Mass, Sunday mornings. My two sons came with me, and uh, all three of us played, but they wouldn't put us all on the same team because I, I was a little disappointed we couldn't play on the same team. I have one or the other, but, uh, yeah, it was, a, it was just a great experience because it was, what's great about having your children play it's not so much that they play, but the passion, the same, they have the same passion that we did playing the game because it's a very addicting game. I mean, and you were a multi-sport athlete. What are your thoughts about these kids now that are just focused on lacrosse? I got to be honest, that, that one's a tough one for me. I truly believe that they should play as long as they can, as many sports that they can. You learn from different coaches. You learn different muscle movement. There's different abilities. I'll use myself as an example. As, as a football guy, I was a punt return, running back, receiver. I looked at a lot of my moves in lacrosse. They were all based off those same things. You know, if it was open field, I, 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 I would revert back to being that punt returner. I see the field. I see where the slide, where everybody's coming, where the slides are coming. I see where the hits are coming from. And that helped me on clears. You know, the end zone is the goal. Absolutely. And back when we played, there, there wasn't such thing as like, I, I, I was a throwback, two-way midi, man down, man up, all the things that you go through. That, that was what, what, what I had to roll into. So for me, being able to be in those tight quarters, working through, I, I was used to linebackers twice the size of me coming in, filling holes and either having to block them or having to move from them. So come lacrosse time, I, I could shake and wiggle and get in between things. So I, I think there's a little bit of a lost art behind that. With that being said, though, you look at the things that these kids can do from being specialized. And, and don't get me wrong. That's what happens when you specialize. Like the stick skills, the IQ, the levels are up higher than they've ever been. But at, at what at what at what risk or what loss is what I ask the question, because you get a lot of these kids now also are starting to get that burnout rate. They get to that, that, that part where they've been working so hard and then they get to college and then all of a sudden it's just it's overwhelming because college, it becomes a job and the fun goes away. But I think those that are those multi-sport athletes that understand that and have the little bit of breaks in between and are able to do the different things, I think if you look at the grand scheme and the big picture, the majority of players who continue through, male and female, are multi-sport athletes at the end of the day. Talking about what you guys just talking about playing with your sons just brought an image to my mind and a question. Do... Your kids play like you? Like if you if you think back to like you you and your your prime when you're playing, do they have a similar play style, do you think? Or is it totally different? Totally different. Yeah, because you're I was gonna say, like, the reason they probably didn't put all three of you on is because all you had to do was sit at X and you could just pick them apart and feed them, right? Correct. Yeah, yes. Okay. How about, how about you? Yeah, totally different. I, I look at both my son and my daughter, the way they play, the cerebral approach that they have to the game right now. It just used to be pick up ball, run ball, score goal. That, that was my that was my thing. Well, you know? that's why I like playing with you. All I have to do is pass you the ball. <laughs> just get out of the way. See, it works out perfectly. That's fun. It's good for me. It's good for everyone. Yeah, right on, right Everybody on. scores. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm always curious about that. I mean, I, I don't, again, say this. I feel like I say this every podcast. I don't have, I don't have kids, but my, my girlfriend's son is eight, and I have been teaching him lacrosse. And I asked that question because I was watching him play the other day in, in a in a in a league in the indoor league, and uh, he pulled up from like two steps over the half line and ripped a shot and it went in, and I jumped up, and I didn't re- I didn't think I would have that reaction, just didn't think I'd have it, and I was like yeah, and I was like Jesus, he pulled up from two steps over the half line. I'm like yeah, I would do that, that's fine, like that's good, it went in. As if it goes in, you can't get mad at the kid, and they were like. Kyle, sit down. So it's like just my first little like kind of taste of that. That's why I wanted to ask. Like, do you, what, watching and coaching your kids, like, it, what is that? 
like for you? Like, what is what does the feeling bring about for each each of you guys? Well, beyond it's it's a thrill. It really is, and to watch your kids play at a high level, or just even play at the youth level, just that they have fun, and and they, they, the thing that I enjoyed was they wanted to get better on their own. And certainly I'm sure Tyrone and, and you're there to give them some advice and work with them a little bit, but to, to actually watch them play, it's funny. Cause I'll say, Oh geez, John, why'd you make that pass inside me? It's like, I wouldn't have made that pass. Yeah. And then afterwards he goes, yeah, dad, I know I shouldn't have made that pass. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, what were you thinking? I should have made that pass, Dad, because I know you would have made that pass, Dad. Right. So, but it's obviously, um, it's it's uh, it's just a great feeling. It's a it's a it's, in any sport, but especially lacrosse, because I know lacrosse better than I know all the other sports. So, and to see him out there, it's 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 a, it's a thrill. Yeah, I got I got to co-sign with you on that one. It, it is amazing. It, it, it's fantastic to watch them do the things that they can do. It's great to be able to, and I and I try to be very positive when I when I when I work with my kids outside of of, of coaching them outside of their games. Everybody can go down that wormhole of like you get in the car ride and you're driving back from the game and you're like, why didn't you do this 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 and this as opposed to like let them get the first words. Out. I couldn't let agree with you more about those things. Yes, absolutely. And then get engaged in that. And I'm not going to sit here and, and 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 preach and say that I'm 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 innocent that I don't get into that, but not, not, not as much as a lot of my friends that I talk to and a lot of people that I talk to. But as far as coaching them and giving those experiences and being able to share that with them on the sidelines, there's nothing better than that. It, it's amazing and, 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 and it's fun. And I encourage more people to, to, to take advantage of those times, especially at the youth level. It goes by so quickly. Yeah. Yeah. Tyrone, I'm sure you can relate too, but what's nice about having your kids play, Danielle's son plays, so you, yeah. you sort of have a little, like a stepson to you. Shout out to Danielle. And that's his girlfriend. Right on. His, his puts up his, with me. His, his future wife, nice Italian lady. Ooh, Anyways, uh, up so, there. yeah, she's beautiful. He got lucky. He's gonna marry up for sure. Anyways, I hope Danielle's listening. I hope so, Hi, Danielle. Too. How are you? She loves I, you. I, I hope all Danielle's friends are listening. <laughs> oh my god. But Ooh. when you have kids that love something like you yeah. do, now. You you hang out you you go to games with them you talk about it. it it's 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 conversation sometimes it's tough to get your kids to talk about anything but they want to talk lacrosse yeah let's talk to dad about lacrosse talk about players talk about teams whatever it is talk about training so that common link is I think more than anything that's what's great about it. It's funny you say this. So it, this is one of the things I talk a lot about with like youth organizations. Whenever I, I, I encourage parents, you get the, well, I don't know anything about lacrosse. And there's no way I can connect with my child on, on lacrosse. And, then I, and I say it's actually the opposite. Like if you show that you have a little bit of that interest in the sport, if you show that you care a little bit, you can't go out in the backyard. If you're a baseball player who, whose son or daughter is playing lacrosse, you don't go out back and, and take out your glove and play catch with them. It's okay if you're horrible at it. It's yeah. okay. But you have that stick and you show that you're relating to the sport. There's nothing better. And when you watch those eyes light up when you're doing that, that that's pretty impressive. Yeah, it's the the bad thing about all these parents knowing that I do lacrosse, do lacrosse, do as lacrosse. they say. Yes. Trust How me. do you do lacrosse? No, they say that, that's what well, they say. I know. Very well. They literally like, so you, you, you do, do lacrosse. You do lacrosse. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, I do lacrosse. <laughs> Guys, I, I'm feeling a branding opportunity here. Why is do, there not a do lacrosse? Do lacrosse. <laughs> hey, it's one of those things where like, I'll go and like, it, it's just, kids are eight, man. And they're like, 
I see the coaches and they're, they're dads, right? Now they don't have a lot of experience and they'll be like, Hey, do you want to come help us out one day? And last year I did. It was during like, I think it was like April vacation. We didn't have practice at, at Hopkinton. So I went to one of his practices and I kind of set stuff up and had them do two on twos and stuff. They'd never done that before. There were, some violence broke out because, <laughs> because they, I, I kind of didn't realize I was rationing up the intensity with, with eight year old kids. But they, all the parents were like, oh, that was great. Can you coach us? And I was like, no, no. And it's not because I didn't want to. It's just like I have to focus on, on my guys and, and do different things. And the way that I coach, I think, is a little too energetic, I think, for, for younger kids. But I think one of the things that I like to, to push when I talk to parents and people getting into the sport is exactly what you were saying. Learn what you can and talk to your kid about it. Have show them that you have interest and be like, "Hey, maybe maybe like you just learn how to string a stick. Maybe you just know the terms for stringing a stick or where you're playing on the field or what the positions are." It shows so much to the kid that they don't that that you're not like telling them what to do so much as you're sharing it. Absolutely. With them. Yep. That's it. Right? And you, I think that's the best way to, to describe. And I wish that soundbite that you just put there could be in the more of the ears and more of the organizations and more of the people that volunteer their time, share their experience and, and enjoy it. Like that's, that's sometimes I think that people don't enjoy it. They, they, they worry about the winner. They worry about the fact that their kid can't catch and throw. And it's like, you're missing the point here. Like yeah. this is something for you to connect with. And we all know what was the game of lacrosse founded on. You know what I mean? It, it, it's the, it's the connecting game. Like it's all about that. So yeah. those who embrace that, it's such a different experience, and especially at the young age. You brought up Dave Taylor, yeah. who I consider a friend, outstanding lacrosse player and, and a better man. Mm -hmm. He's got a son. Is he going to UMass? I'm not sure. He's going somewhere. Yeah, one at Babson and, oh boy, Dave's going to be mad at me for forgetting this one. Yeah, Union. 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 Yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Babson Union. So the reason why I bring up Dave Taylor, if you look at the, the New England region, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and you've been in this region for a long time. I've been in, in, in it forever. But there's four African-Americans, yourself, Billy Day, Kyle Hatton, played a great player, just got inducted into the Massachusetts Hall of Fame, and Dave Taylor. So when I think about New England lacrosse, those guys come up because they've been a great influence in the game, obviously. Billy Day, Dave Taylor, Kyle Hatton, yourself. I know you've done some inner city work over the years. How do we get more African-Americans playing this game? And I'll, I told I told my kids this. I said, if Alabama, South Carolina, LSU, all these schools get lacrosse, you're going to be out of a job <laughs> because uh, there's so many great athletes. And I know, but we got to get more. Yeah, so it's an interesting, and it's a subject. It's actually one of the things that we talked about. There was a diversity panel that had a discussion at the Matthews Lacrosse. Um, I have for years been an advocate. Uh, strangely not, I'm, I'm, I'm going to back up while I tell this this version of the story. I, I was very fortunate with our era of, of, of Lincoln Sudbury in the town. First of all, it's a predominantly white town. Right. Um, so there wasn't a lot of black families in the town as it was. We did have the Metco program. So it was interesting that I never really noticed the number or the lack of number of African-Americans playing lacrosse because my senior year, there was eight of us on the team. Right. My going and watching my brother, there was five or six. Right. So what was interesting is if you now look at today, 2024, there's less on the Lincoln Sudbury team now than when I played in the 90s. 
so the tough question is why? Why? There's a lot of levels of where I think one acceptance, the other just the the culture of the sport, the positives that I have with the culture. There are also the negative sides. It's very clicky. Um, it's very kind of um, stand backish. But again, when you're in, you don't see that. Right. You don't understand that, and it's hard. For when I say that to people, because they look at me and they go, well, I thought you said it was such a great sport. I go, hey, listen, everything is that way. Like if I hang out with five specific people and we go to have dinner, right, we're not looking to add other people into our group. And if someone happens to walk by and talk, we start talking and then we invite them to join the table. It's the best way I can give the analogy. Yep. So when you see players or when you see, especially if we're talking about African-American black players, if it's not inviting, we have to actually be more about stopping ourselves from being that way and invite more and talk more and bring in, which it's great to see that happening, but the result has yet to yield what everyone's trying to do. It's, you mentioned acceptance. Can you expand on that? Again, I, I, I think it's, it's, how can I expand on the acceptance? I mean, in the sense that like, go ahead. so are you saying that the, the, the lacrosse community isn't accepting to have African-Americans participate in the lacrosse? I'm not saying that they're not accepting. I'm just saying the perception of that being accepting is sometimes viewed that way. I got you. Do you know what I mean? Gotcha. Uh, an analogy of like, I said, like uh, I'll use this as a perfect analogy. Five players on the team after the game, four of them are white players. They go to specific person's house, hang out. They go do different things. And the one black player goes to do something else. That still in today's game still happens. That still happens on teams. You'll see specific players that are deemed athletes or athletic. They could easily be an attackman, but they're put as a defensive midfielder. Why? Why is that? Those are questions that you ask. And now here's what happens. When the athletic defensive midfielder talks to their friends and they say, hey, I've seen you score goals. I've seen you do all these other things. Why aren't you playing attack? And they say, I don't know. The coach just doesn't put me there. I've just always played this. And this that, That's not making it where the other person who says, oh, I want to come try this sport, come out and try it. Because it's not attractive to play, be a defensive midi, and not have the opportunity to play on the offense. And so the coach is saying, "Oh, he's an athlete. Right. So we're going to because he's the best athlete on the field. We're going to put him on defense. He can run the the field. He can play good defense. He can play it better than else. He might be able. He might also be the best attackman on the team. But we're going to put him on defense. Right. That's right. your yeah. That's your position exactly. Yeah, and I think to speak to the to the culture part of it too, it's not just. It is it is race in a couple ways. In a couple ways, it's economic. Mm-hmm. Um, we have that on our team where we have kids from different side of town, different side of town, and they don't hang out together as much as they hang out with each other. So part of what we do as as coaches is is we do a lot of try to do as much team stuff as you can with the high school program. Everybody's going here. Everyone's got to be there. If you're not there, you're in trouble. Like everyone's got to go, and we don't have a ton of diversity in Hopkinton, New Hampshire. I know it's shocking to everyone. But the, the, we have a couple Latin players on the team, and we have had them in the past. We had a couple African-American players on the team. And it was easy to see where the tension was mm-hmm. for me. Maybe I was a little more attuned to it just because like, I've been out in the world. And when people forget about these small towns all over the place, not just where I'm from, is you're just in this bubble. And you don't know 
what else is happening. You, you, your, your preconceived notions kind of run your life and you don't realize that till you leave. Right. And I, I have, I try to broach that with kids as young as like 14 and it doesn't go through them. But I think one of the things too, that you were talking about at, at the mass youth convention, the thing that stood out to me was, so one of the questions was, how do you get more players involved that aren't white players? Mm-hmm. How do you bring more people in? And one of the things that you said was very interesting to me. It made me want to do something for the first time in my life that I've never wanted to do, which is be on a board. There you go. My man, never want, I never want to be on a board, yep. ever. It sounds boring. I, it sounds terrible. I don't want to sit in a room with a bunch of people that want to argue with me. Actually, well, wait. No, I want to do that. But I, <laughs> I don't want to lose. <laughs> and I think what you said was, how has this board made an effort to reach out to different aspects Great to point. different people in the community. What have they done? What, where, what efforts have you made? It's the best. It's the, it's just the best thing I could think of. And now I want to like join boards all over the place. Cause I think that's the most, when I, what I took away from that talk was lots of things, but that was the thing that just stuck in my head, a little needle in the back of my head, just being like, you can do that. Yep. Anyone can do that. Yep. That's not just something that someone else has to do because they, they feel like they have to do it. You can make the effort. And I think it's it sounds – if you say it out loud, it sounds easy for people to do. Yep. And I think if more people did it, it would have a huge impact. So that goes back to when you asked me earlier. That, that, that to me is how can we make the changes? Again, we've got to look at the people who are the gatekeepers. We've got to look at the people. Again, why did, why did you pick up a lacrosse stick the first time in your life? Because someone introduced it to you, someone who you knew, someone who you trusted talked to you about it. How many? There's probably 10 other friends of yours that didn't have that same introduction that you received. What I feel is until we do that, until we have the boards who are looking at, and I don't mean this to single out. What I mean this is to look all of us have day jobs doing other things, right? How do we do, how, how do we build a brand? How do we market our products? How do we sell things? But then we get into this world where we just keep the same. It's the same emails that go out. It's the same flyer that goes through the school. What are we doing different? That's the challenge that I put on. Let's be different in our approach. Let's look at those opportunities to find and identify other players and grow. I couldn't agree more. And I, I could be honest with you. When I was, in high school and in college and when I played professionally in Australia even had a, a number of African-American teammates and different walks of life. And what I realize is I don't care what you look like. I don't care if you're black, Italian, green, orange, whatever. If you can help this team win and you're going to come and practice every single day and work as hard as everyone else, I'm all for it. So the game has been so I'm very blessed. The game has been so good to me. And the reason that we got into what we into is because we want to give back, right? We want, we want to hand a kid that, that stick. And there's got to be more opportunities for minorities, African-Americans, and whether it's cost or not being in that circle, we got to change it. Yep. And I'll, I'll ask you this question, Jack. I mean, and, and again, I don't want this to it's not putting you on the spot, but like you just mentioned, and I, I have this dialogue with a lot of people. So of those black players that you that you played with, how many of them outside of the sport do you socialize with? And why I ask that question is, again, back to sometimes when you think it's like, listen, not everybody's going to get along. That's not the goal. That's not what I'm, the question I ask. But a lot of times the, without even noticing there's certain times that you're like, I don't, now again, 
there are certain teammates that I don't want to hang out with. But the question I ask is, if we look at these players that we've played with, and out of them, let's just use the number of 100, okay? And there's 10 black players that, man, you know what? I'll call him tomorrow to go hang out. I always ask that question is think of what that number is for you. And, and you can either tell it now or you can tell but think of what that number is. And then the only thing I ask from there is then think through why is it I don't talk to these other guys? And that might make two things happen. One, kind of say, oh, maybe there's something I need to change. Or I haven't talked to these guys in a while. Let me go reach out. Does that make sense? Yeah. Billy Dare reached out to me the other day about a player. It was nice to hear from him. But I don't, when I was in lacrosse, when I was playing with them, I would hang out with them mm-hmm. no differently than I would hang out with anyone else. I enjoy it. Kyle Hatton's a great, great man. Billy Day, you, yourself, and, and Dave Dave Taylor. Yep. So to me, it was they were part of the team. And do I call them? No, but I don't. I don't call Dave Desko or Bruce Janichuk. I think I'm at a different stage in my life. I'm 61, so my life is my kids and my work. So I don't. I don't even hang out with Kyle. I mean, well, that's I, a different I, story. I, I, I mean, but that 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 makes sense. Yes, that, that makes that, a lot of that sense. Not, not many people want to hang out with them. I gotta hang that out is with not them. True. I almost forgot I, I, there. I have to hang out with the them. Worst. I'm forced to sit in the studio for three hours every three weeks. So when we have a guest in studio, you know what that does for me? Puts a big smile on my face. Yeah, yeah I hope it does. Jeez, man. <laughs> I, 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 I don't even know. But, what do I like, say? If you if you called me, I'd return your call. I saw you in Florida. We we don't hang out. I have a lot of respect for you, and I think you have the same for me. Absolutely. Black, orange, red, whatever. You're a good guy. You're in lacrosse. Right. We have a lot of uh, similar likes, right. and and uh, you're a good father, so on and so forth. So, to me, it doesn't make a difference. And, and again, when I was in that world, I can say that for most of my teammates too. But we didn't get those guys there. That's that's the that's the challenge, right? right? When they're there. I, I think everything's great. Right. It's gravy. That's why I but, think doing it at the, at the board level and the youth level is is, is more important than anything else. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Absolutely. Set, set the tone, set the strategy, and, and, and that's it, where it works. Right and it there. really shouldn't be cost because at the youth level, you can get by with inexpensive equipment. You don't have to buy the top dollar stuff that I used to sell. Yeah, I would encourage you to sell. <laughs> oh, bye. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, I, I think I played with a, a, a Jack Piantelli purchase stick back in the day, man. Absolutely. When you remember yeah. the brand. I was like, go, Coach Piantelli gave me the stick to try out. You did a good job, man. You, I, you, you got us all like, hey, you gave yeah, me the stick. No, I, I, know I, I did. Doing, when I, I was with Warren and Brian, yeah. I gave out a lot of sticks. Absolutely. For a lot of kids. No doubt about it. You know, and I, I think I, know, I, I did a pretty good job creating a lot of interest in, in, in the game. And, and I guess my point is I – I, I want to see more African-Americans playing lacrosse. Well, you, you touched on something that right right there. I, I've used this and, and a platform that I've tried to use, and, I, and, I, and I've encouraged my peers to do the same. Think of the opportunity. You said it yourself. When you were out there working for Warrior, you were tossing out sticks, bringing stuff all the time. That's happening, but it's not happening, in my opinion, the right way. No. There's plenty of opportunity to go to different neighborhoods, to do different things, to pull resources. I mean, the three of us could probably do a campaign right now where we could either get people to donate, to purchase sticks, and then we can roll into a community and just be like, here you go. Why is that not happening? That, that's low-hanging fruit. Right, and we should say, if anyone's listening to this podcast and you have someone that's interested in playing from the African-American community... Wherever that may be, a friend or whatever, give us a call. Yeah, Text us. us. 
We'll put you in touch with the local organization, Tyrone, and if you need equipment, I'll buy the equipment. I'll exactly. donate it. Exactly. Not everybody, but I will donate some equipment. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, hit me up, kyle.devitt at laxjournal.com. My email's everywhere, but you can find me anywhere. It's annoying. Let me ask you this, though. Do you think sixes is a good gateway into the sport for younger ages that aren't playing it yet? And do you think that could be a factor going forward? I, I think it's great. First of all, we all know that lacrosse is just such a fast, exciting sport. Adding that element of the sixes into it. Yes, but again, until you get people to want to play, it right. doesn't matter how many kind of fun things you create. I mean, I mean, years ago, I'll give Casey Powell a shout out when he started that speed. 3v3 speed lacrosse. It was brilliant. You just got, all you need is three kids out there, three people to go out and play and run around and have a great time and make it active. Great idea. But again, it's not that didn't encourage more kids who were already playing the sport to like to, to come out. It was, it was just mm-hmm. those who were playing it were like, ah, this is neat. I'll jump into that. If that model of 6v6 can kind of be built in and, and, and kind of the the way of attracting others that would be fantastic, but I, I don't know the answer to that right now because yeah. it's, it's still not still going new. out getting yeah. other people to come and right. try to play the sport. Right. What got my kids addicted to the sport, and I recommend this to every parent, if you're a, a fan of lacrosse or not, but your, your, your son is interested or your daughter's interested in playing lacrosse, take him to the NCAA Final Four yes. Championship. That's what got me. I brought my kids 11 times. Mm-hmm. After the first year, they kept begging me to. We went every. We went ten years in a row. We took a year off. We won another, and then fortunately, my, my kids played in the final four, which was an unbelievable thrill and experience. But that's where we lock them in. If we can get more African Americans to go and watch that live, it's one of the greatest events. You got yes. kids running around the parking lot, all playing mini lacrosse, and it's high quality lacrosse. I mean, it's nothing better than that that weekend. Well, see, as you guys know about me, I'm, I'm kind of an actionable guy. So to me, that sounds like something that we should put a challenge out to the podcast is that yeah. if we can come up with some people who'd like to get involved, maybe that's something that we champion and put together to be able to get some 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 African-American potential lacrosse players to let's, come down and see the game and learn the game. And let's, we start let's, with let's, let's put a, a trip together. Let's do it. Yeah. Tickets, hotel, yep. yeah. for a family of four. Love it. Love it. Let me ask you one more thing before we go. Nation, yes. right? Crowd Nation. You're taking teams to Placid. I played on the 45 team or 40 team last year and had a huge, great time. Unfortunately, I can't go back and play. But we're going to try and I'm going to try and GM and coach a little uh, this this time around. Can you tell me tell everyone a little bit about the nation effort? And so we're excited that. again. Back to the, the 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 whole thing of bringing people together. Kind of the motto of the league, motto of what what I do in general is bring people together. We started the Daughters Nation. We have three teams. We have a gold team, which is a consist of 25, 26, 27 grads. We have a silver team, which is the 25, 26, 27, and then we have the U14. The Daughters Nation came up with the majority of the players that are on the team are all our daughters which That's is kind of cool. neat yeah. cool and then it's his friends from all over so we have players from arizona from florida from maryland from new hampshire from maine from mass connecticut and what's really cool is just getting everybody together and having our daughters play from there, it spawned off to where we have the Suns Nation. So we have the 27-28 team. That's the one that you're going to be uh, GMing and working with. Helping out. And then yeah. the whole thing with that is the same deal. It's now, not only is it the Suns that are playing, but it's also the brothers 
who are playing. So, so the girls who are playing on the Daughters Nation, they have a sibling, they're coming over. And we've created this ecosystem of family. Jack knows this, and let's go to Lake Placid. That's That, to me, is probably the most ultimate tournament that's out there. It's um, the Mecca. You know what I mean? It's just it gives you everything that you want, the ability to play the great games, the ability to socialize with friends, the ability to bring in the family. My, my kids have been going up there for years, and they couldn't wait to be able to start to play. Yep. And it was really cool. My daughter played last year. Obviously, she had played many years before that. But then having my son for the first time being able to play because he was eligible for that age bracket was just cool. And then getting that picture, and then for us, old guys stepping out there at the end of the week, it, it just it's, it's like the ultimate lacrosse family event to be at it's the mm -hmm. ultimate lacrosse player to be at so that's what the nation is we we bring in people from all over again with that mindset of trying to encourage more to participate in the sport and play in the sport i i'd like to boast and brag that we probably have one of the most diverse programs up there outside of the specific you know nations united right. program but you know you walk through and you saw it as a player you know yep. how many other black players latin players did you see that were on our teams between the the, the 40 45 and 50 right. versus the teams that we've and play against um, yes. and that's Fantastic. what we try to cast yeah. so again I'm trying to do our, my part and our part in the game and, and passing the torch and bringing it on and it's going to be exciting and to your point great to hang out with it was fun awesome. we had some fun we had awesome. some good times unfortunately we're kind of out of time but man that flew that flew right? by 42 minutes that was wild that's wild that was wild I think you guys need me on your mom we'll definitely let's bring you it. back let's do it we'll definitely bring you back we've already launched three initiatives through this podcast so we gotta bring yeah. you back let's launch a fourth there uh, we go uh, thanks for coming in, man. Absolutely. appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate your thanks, time. Man. Good to see yeah, you. Great to see yeah, you. Always thanks. a pleasure, my brother. Yeah, always a pleasure. Yeah. And thanks again for listening to New England Lacrosse Journals, Chasing the Gold Podcast. For Jack Piatelli, I'm Kyle Devitt. We'll see you next time.